Welcome back to For the Love of Men podcast. My name is Courtney Shand, and I'm hosting with my dear friend, Brianna Mosier. Hi. The intention of the show is to bring together men and women to create healthy, polarized relationship dynamics to understand and learn how to honor each other's natural, masculine, and feminine energetic core. We are super excited to bring this content today, but before we dive in, a little backstory on my friend, Brie. Tell my friends who you are, what you do, how you're of service to the world, your magic. Yes, ma'am. Etc. <laughs> My work in the world is helping really driven, ambitious women who feel maybe a little more masculine leaning or kind of stuck in their masculine to help them access and embrace their feminine energy, their sensuality, all those juicy things, their playfulness. And in the trauma world, we would say, who are you when you're not in survival mode, right? And really come home to themselves and um, embrace not only growing their business, but attracting healthy love from empowered masculine partners. So mm. love and business and spirituality are kind of my thing. So if you like that, you will love working with me. <laughs> and Courtney's work is very similar, but a different flavor, which is why our synchronicity, I think, is the way that it is. It jams, yeah. Tell the people. Yep. I am a trauma-informed dietitian. I help women really experience what it feels like to bring feminine energy into their health, their physical health specifically, mm-hmm. so that you can line up mind, body, spirit, and... Um, make those changes that support your body expressing its healthiest, most vibrant self. Yes. Clean up a lot of the generational trauma that is at the root of the stories that you tell about your body and what that means mm. and the experience of living in that heightened state of, again, survival energy or uh, that trauma response that most of us walk through the world with, that dysregulation of the nervous system. Get to the root of that so that you can create healthy relationship dynamics with everything from yourself and your body, the people around you, food, uh, and set the right boundaries that support you expressing yourself. Mm. When you started talking, I got so excited to be recording. <laughs> it's <laughs> been a couple of weeks. I was like, wait, this is really fun. <laughs> I forgot how fun this is. We love bringing this content to you. And as we were talking mm-hmm. about what we wanted to talk about today, we, as advocates for taking care of your mental and emotional well-being, are always... Uh, involved in some sort of growth on our own, whether it is, and even in our friendship, transparently, we have gone through seasons of Mm -hmm. deep healing and therapeutic work, as well as coaching and growth and um, more forward thinking um, in terms of what we want out of life. And so we wanted to bring some reflections to you of the things that we have gleaned from taking care of our mental and emotional well-being, Mm. the top things we've learned from therapy. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars and hours <laughs> invested into healing. And we're going to give you probably 40 to 60 minutes of the lessons that took us a really long time to mm-hmm. learn mm-hmm. or felt like explosions of epiphanies. In, as I felt like for me, like epiphanies in my brain. You know when your therapist says something and you're like, whoa. <laughs> That's what we've written down. Um, and I'm sure more stuff will come up, but... I hope this is. I hope this feels like a mini therapy lesson to you. And if you relate, I would love if you'd write into the show. We actually have an email for the Love of Men podcast at Gmail. I think. Mm-hmm. So if you have things that come up, let us know. And we're gonna do a little video on TikTok as well. So if you don't follow us on TikTok, you should for the Love of Men podcast. Go stitch that video. We're gonna ask you to share uh, the best things that you learned in therapy on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Let's kick it off. Mm-hmm. Top therapy tip. Not a tip. Best things you took away from therapy. Yes. You want to start? You want me to start? That's a good one. That's yours. All right. I'll start. Mm -hmm. When I was recovering from my cool girlness and all the nuanced recovering, because another thing they'll teach you in therapy is (laughs) you heal like an onion. You know, you peel back a layer and then it's deeper and deeper and deeper. And so in the phase of healing my cool girl, I had said to my therapist, like, I'm having these needs. I'm realizing in this season that I need, I think the topic was uh, more emotional validation. I don't know why. I'm just in this process of recovering from not trusting myself or believing in what I feel and thinking it's valid. And I need a lot more emotional validation in my relationship. But I feel self-conscious because it's not really convenient to my partner. I feel like I'm asking a lot of my partner. And she was like, Brie, relationships are not convenient. If you want convenience, you'll be alone. It is so easy to be alone. You can live your whole life alone. And she was asking me, what was it like when you were single? And I said, 
I mean, don't get me wrong, there are pros and cons to either one, but you don't have to have yourself mirrored back to you all the time. You don't have to think about someone else's feelings all the time. You don't have to think about why you're triggered and what you say and where that coping mechanism came from and how you impact somebody else. Like, it is actually very inconvenient to be in partnership. The rewards, for me, far outweigh the inconvenience, the growth, you know, in your own consciousness and relationship to yourself and intimacy. Like, those things are so juicy and worth it, but convenience is not the reason to enter relationship it's actually harder self it's maybe i've heard spiritual teachers say it as the hardest spiritual self personal growth you'll ever go through will be in romantic partnership Mm -hmm. yeah because it is once you've met yourself i think that's the caveat to this we always talk about there's different uh lessons at different points in your growth process. And Mm. when you think about easier in some ways, when you have met yourself, yeah, it's easier because you know what's happening. You don't have to have the communication skills. You don't have to say it correctly. You don't have to wait on their response. Mm -hmm. You don't have to deal with the anxiety while they're rearranging things. All of that is, is easier. That being said, there's benefits of partnership that do make it easier, that life, you get to do things together. So you carry half the load in that way. Um, So I would say the caveat to that for me is once you meet yourself and you start Mm -hmm. to identify what it is you're needing, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a heck of a lot. It's a heck of a lot easier to do that by yourself. To meet yourself? Uh, Sorry, once you've met yourself, it's easier to do life just on your own. Mm. Before that, if you're seeking relationship as like, I need someone to complete me, that's a different ballgame. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're seeking relationship for someone to complete you, you're actually trying to escape your stuff. Exactly. Yep. And avoid it. Yeah. In which case, that makes everything a lot harder. Mm-hmm. That's more the wounded feminine, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true because wounded masculine could be very like, I want this partner who looks good to make me feel better about myself. But wounded feminine would be very, I want a partner who's going to meet all my needs and tiptoe around all my wounds and I never have to deal with it and I'll be damsel in distress and if they just be perfect, then I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not judging that because I have I have lived that phase. <laughs> yeah, we have those parts. Um, exactly. It's the, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. Number two of life-changing, mind-blowing therapy things that we've learned. One thing that mm. I have had to really wrestle with is there is a difference between there's like a resilience building phase of healing where the goal is to gain resilience, to build that backbone, to be able to support yourself, to be with the hard emotions, to meet those parts of yourself that previously you did want to kind of like hide from mm-hmm. and close your eyes and not see. Once you are able to meet those parts of yourself, you actually have the permission. We were talking about this. This is the soft girl era that you always talk mm, about, I think. Of course on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get to prioritize peace. So there is a resilience building phase where you bring enough of yourself online and you support all of those pieces. Mm-hmm. And then you get to move into this peace stage where now the goal has shifted from gaining skills, gaining self-awareness, knowledge, into protecting what it is that keeps you you mm-hmm. putting those boundaries up protecting your peace sidebar gut check in my experience with this was the question of why why do you not feel entitled to protect your peace mm-hmm. and so i just want to put that out there that there's permission where you get to protect your peace you come out of this kind of healing gritty resilience building phase into a stage of protecting your peace and I think this is where a lot of people uh, get confused because this is where people will set new boundaries where it's like we've been through this before and I'm not doing that again Mm -hmm. come meet me up here versus you'll hear it when you're in like stage one of the resilience building and it's like nope I don't want to deal with that where you probably need to be a little bit more tolerant and more able to be with discomfort Mm -hmm. does that make sense how I'm saying that Mm -hmm. yeah so once you can kind of know hey this is Uh, my discomfort because I need to learn how to be with it versus this is uncomfortable and that's a no for me. Those are two very different healing phases. Ooh, you just reminded me of one we didn't write down. (gasps) But the question of capacity and bandwidth, right? Like how much space do you have to hold for somebody's growth? And it's not right or wrong. This kind of answers the friend question we were talking about earlier. 
Courtney and I have more vulnerable friend questions where we don't necessarily read to the show because we're still molding it. But we were talking about what is the line between, you know, uh, seeing the humanness in yourself or other people versus kind of protecting your peace, right? Like, mm-hmm. do I have bandwidth to hold this? And so the capacity, there's actually a great TikTok on it. I think we stitched it. I don't know his name. Where he has two yeah. bottles of water, right? And one is really big and one is pretty small. And they're both full. As in both people can be giving everything they have to offer with, that's within their capacity. But if the small bottle person is trying to pour into the big bottle person when they're empty, it's never going to be enough. And likewise, the big bottle person pouring into the small bottle person is going to feel overwhelming, like they're too much, they have too much, they want too much. Mm-hmm. And so do your capacities match or do you have the capacity to hold space for someone's growth in that period? You know, So if there are boundaries being crossed, okay, how much space do I have in my life before I'm compromising? my peace and everyone's bandwidth is different i think that's important too because mm-hmm. again we were talking about this judgment to i don't know how would you describe that this judgment of like if you want to hold space for someone's mm-hmm. growth that makes you a weak woman oh yeah great i really we need to set up a camera that's why we set up the podcast was like people would it's literally why would we started the podcast learn so much from just hearing the conversations that we have Um, But that was what we were talking about is that Mm -hmm. there is kind of this vibe that we've both seen um, where if you choose to stay or stick around or have patience or whatever the word you are using, Mm -hmm. there's some judgment around it that makes you less empowered Mm -hmm. or wounded or it's kind of this blanket statement that adds a lot of shame and self-criticism in the personal growth space. And the reality is, is... Everyone does have a different bandwidth and different levels of capacity based on different seasons is my experience. You can be in a growth season. I don't have a ton of bandwidth to hold for you right now. Whereas when I'm in a, you know, more stable season, I I may have extra bandwidth. I may Mm -hmm. take on more clients. I may take on more challenging conversations to deepen my relationships. That's Mm going to look different depending on how I'm experiencing my life. It doesn't mean that I am a bad person and I think being able to see your capacity as a thing removes the judgment yeah that would otherwise come with you should leave him by now mm. You've, you should just you know set the boundary and leave that's not always it's not always going to be as black and white as that mm-hmm. and it's not always um, how do I say this it's not always about you dropping your boundaries. You might get more clear on what your boundaries actually are when you're bumping up against them. You know, so where before you might have said, I'll never tolerate X, Y, Z. And then you're in partnership going, this doesn't feel how I anticipated it would feel. And I mm-hmm. also feel pretty equipped to, to move through this together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work through this, you know, and you kind mm-hmm. of have to check your own boundaries. And sometimes that makes you question your integrity the best thing to do is go there with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Question it and then make a new boundary instead, which is very different than having strong boundaries and dropping them because you're making excuses for other people who aren't showing up, who aren't growing, they're not trying to do the work. You know in your gut when that's happening. You know you know when you're dropping your boundaries. Um, to lower your standards out of fear of rejection or abandonment. That's the biggest indicator, I would say. What's the motivation? Do you feel anxiety that's causing you to reevaluate your boundaries? Or are you saying, I'm judging myself and I'm going to choose to drop the judgment and see what's under here for me? Yeah. This is telling me about myself. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that was a good one. A little vulnerable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been there. Yes, we have been there. Yeah. All right. What's the next one, Court? Well, I think that's a good segue because a lot of times... It's been my experience that we, the benefit of therapy for me is to have someone reflect to you where your anxiety may be taking the wheel without your awareness. Mm. And a lot of times that anxiety will, for me, sound like, this is the right thing to do. This is what I should do. The old should. The voice crack. This is the right thing to do. (laughs) I'm I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I feel good about that. <laughs> There's a little disconnect there. Yeah. So if that's the case, noticing where the anxiety is causing you to make decisions that aren't necessarily, maybe they were in line with who you had been, 
but they're not in line with who you are. And sometimes having mm-hmm. someone outside of you to remind you and work with you on opening up to the who you're becoming mm-hmm. does give you that green light to check the areas where you're making decisions based on previous versions of yourself that would have been comfortable or how you're making other people around you more comfortable with your decisions. Mm. And, and sometimes you won't see that yourself because you're so in it. You're going to have your own little mental chatter and um, coping strategies that are causing you to behave in certain ways. And sometimes having someone that's trained or that is able to see that and say, hey, have you, how are you feeling about this? Does this make you feel more peaceful or more anxious? Mm. Let's get clear on that before we take that step. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. It reminds me of what I often say to my clients is when you have a lot of urgency behind a decision usually anxiety is driving that you know even your inspired ideas from a business perspective like they come in inspired like a bolt of lightning right but there's no um you have to do this or else you're gonna lose everything and die kind of feeling that anxiety will give you a message with and so discerning what is intuition and what is anxiety mm-hmm. and how do i base my decision am i basing my decisions like courtney said based on anxiety out of fear or based on inspiration. Inspiration is always going to lead you to more expansion. Anxiety and out of fear is leaving you to um, protect what you have, but not really expand mm. most of the time. Yeah. Well said. Mm. Thank you. What else? What else? Okay, this is a good one. Shout out to my therapist, Menon. If you need a good therapist in Nashville, she's amazing. <laughs> if she listened to the show, I don't know if she legally can, but she would hear so many of the things that she's taught me in this episode. And she uses this phrase, uh, it can be explainable but not excusable. So when you are someone like, you know, Corderai, who's you probably are if you're listening to this episode and you're like doing mini therapy in your free time off from therapy right now, (laughs) you're probably this person where you know a lot about why people behave the way that they behave Mm -hmm. and what drives them and what trauma they've been through and all these things. And she always uses this grounding phrase. It can be explainable. You can know why they do it their motives, you can know what their intention was in their heart, but it doesn't have to be excusable. The background, the explanation doesn't excuse the behavior. So while someone has been through, like when I talked about on my episode, if you go back and listen, there's one on Courtney's story and my story. And I talk about being with a narcissist. I know the trauma that he went through. I know his background, you know, and I have, there are parts of me that have a lot of compassion for that, but it doesn't make it excusable. The damage that it inflicted was the damage that it inflicted. Um, and that just is what it is. So Mm -hmm. if I were hearing this as a listener, I would be thinking about where am I able to explain people's behavior and taking that as an excuse for the behavior instead of just more information Mm -hmm. about why they're making that decision. Wow. Yeah. That's such a good one. It really is. Mm -hmm. Can I piggyback one more into it? Because I feel like they go well together. Mm -hmm. Intent versus effect. This is a different therapist. (laughs) Um, But which I didn't really have the best experience with him in general, but he did say this one thing that stuck with me, which was intent versus effect. Mm. So this is like, you know when you're having a conversation with someone, letting them know when you said X, Y, Z, it really hurt my feelings. And if Courtney said to me, that really wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Why it just doesn't hit right. You know, when you hear them say, it wasn't my intention. You don't feel like, oh my God, it wasn't your intention. Well, great. I actually have no damage from this. All is forgiven. (laughs) It doesn't feel that way. And it doesn't feel that way because intention and effect are different things. It's not my intent to hit someone's car, but the effect is their car is totaled, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's accountability for while my intention wasn't malicious and maybe I was, as we all are, focused on our own stuff, keeping ourselves safe, acting Mm -hmm. from our own coping mechanisms, the effect is it really hurt the other person. The effect is it was damaging to their system. And acknowledging that will bring you a lot further in um, conflict and repair work. It's kind of like saying, I'm sorry you feel that way versus I'm sorry I made you feel that way. When Mm -hmm. someone says, I'm sorry I made you feel that way, even if they have the best of intentions, they're still taking accountability for, I understand that I impacted you in a way that was really painful versus those are your feelings. I'm sorry you feel that way. It's kind of like, well, I didn't mean to. You know what I mean? Versus a sincere, I'm acknowledging the impact that I have. Mm -hmm. Even if I didn't mean to have that impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
such a good skill to develop because I found, and we've talked about this before, that mm. in in healing, you kind of go from this like kind of codependent enmeshed dynamic where you're responsible for everyone's feelings and everyone's responsible for your feelings. Yes. And, and so creating that boundary, that divide where, yeah, that is your felt experience. It's mm-hmm. not something that I am taking on and yet I impacted it. Yeah. That reality can coexist, that there was an impact from my behavior and my decisions that impacted your feelings mm. that I am accountable for. Mm-hmm. And something as simple as exactly what you said, that I'm sorry that I did that and that it had that impact on you. Mm-hmm. That was something that was confusing for me for quite a while because I was like, but they're not, it's not my feelings. Right. I'm not taking responsibility for your feelings. But that's not a boundary that you're setting. You don't take responsibility for feelings when you set a boundary. You are taking care of yourself and just discussing the perimeter. That's different than someone having uh, an experience that they're sharing with you that you had a negative impact on them. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a lot. I see what you're saying. At that first level, we always talk about different levels of growth and certain advice really lands at certain levels mm-hmm. and at other levels, it would not be helpful. So yep. I hear what you're saying. In the beginning, you have to learn to not babysit people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point where you have a sense of self mm-hmm. and you can set a boundary and also acknowledge the impact it has on someone's feelings, but not make yourself hold it. But you could still be accountable to it. You know, boundaries is a bad example, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a tricky one. It's a yeah, it's a bad example. Um, a little nuanced, but otherwise, yes, it's such a great thing to pay attention to: impact versus what it, what actually happened. How did it play out? What yeah, was the what was the effect of what you did? Intent versus effect. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna give you one more on the edge of that. Um. Okay, one more piggyback, and then I swear. That's but it's okay. so good. It's a short one. I once heard the phrase, um, actual emotional intelligence, like well-developed emotional intelligence is a skill, obviously, but you know you've nailed it when you can understand the other person's perspective so much that you could argue for it. Mm. That's like it. Drop. Think about it. I really had to check myself because I've always identified with being a very empathetic person. And then I thought about when I'm in conflict with an intimate relationship, what do I do? I think about my own experience and how I feel and why what they did was wrong. And there was a time in my life where I would go too far into explainable and excusable, you know? But again, there's a different level where it's like, okay, I can understand why this person would think this way. The best thing you, if both partners are trying to understand the other person's position so much that they could defend it, that's going to get repaired fast. Yep. That's mostly what people are looking for is that empathy and feeling heard. Yeah. That's it. So, so good. Courtney, the mic is yours. Hmm. I am, let me think, what are some other really good ones that I took away from therapy? All these little nuggets through the years. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, go on. One thing that I um, have come to realize is that all adults get to have their own relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. If we are going to set boundaries in a way that gives you the authority over your life and trusts that, that also means that I get to see your relationship as different than my relationship with the same person. It doesn't necessarily make their behavior great towards you. But it also doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be the one that bridges the gap for Mm. you too. That is communication breakdown 101 that happens in toxic family dynamics where say the kid or one of the, you know, siblings has to be the go-between and always moderating this dynamic between mom and child, mom and dad, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're having to be the, the therapist or the one that is always holding space for, you know, a dysfunctional dynamic, that's going to really stress out your system and put responsibility on you that doesn't necessarily belong. Instead, mom and dad's relationship needs to be between mom and dad, mom and child, mom and child, whatever it is. Those are each going to be individual little microcosms. It's their responsibility if they're having problems to go to that person and fix it. Mm. Not my responsibility. Doesn't mean I can't listen. Doesn't mean I can't empathize. 
and hold space for that. But at the end of the day, I don't have to wear that around. You get to have the experience that you're co-creating with that person. And I trust that you are capable of uh, resolving any issues that you have. I don't have to wear that around. I can observe and see like that. That's not great healthy relationship skills. Is this something that I need to address in my relationship with that person? Or is this something that's bringing out the worst in both of you? In which Mm -hmm. case it's possible to create a toxic dynamic that doesn't necessarily mean that it is um, objectively bad. It could be neutral or tolerable, but it's not good for me or not good for them. And that's something that, that you can decide separately as well. Kind of removing, I think, the judgment of what a quote-unquote toxic or abusive, those, those kind of terms, I think, get thrown around a lot. Like when we did our narcissist episode, that term gets thrown around a lot. It's an actual thing. <laughs> it's a personality disorder in the DSM. Like your neighbor and everyone you know is not a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and same thing with like toxic, toxic people, toxic relationships, a toxic relationship is one that is not allowing you to thrive period. You get, you get to look at that of why am I not allowed to thrive in this dynamic? What do I need to take more ownership of? And what do I need to take more ownership of in the form of setting a boundary? Mm -hmm. That's going to clean things up really quickly. That was probably one of the best things that I ever learned is let adults be responsible for their own relationships and that toxic doesn't have to be knock down drag outs, verbal abuse all the time. It can really be, I just don't feel like I'm thriving in this relationship dynamic. And that's something for me to pay attention to. Mm, that's really well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially the labeling of, is it, is it a good or a bad relationship? Are they healthy or unhealthy? And I think even in our teaching, sometimes they can feel very linear, mm-hmm. you know, wounded versus empowered. And I hope, if you've been listening this long, we try to talk a lot about that gray space and that everybody goes into wounded spots. While we both feel like we're empowered feminine women, we also have wounded parts, (laughs) wounded masculine parts that get guarded and closed off and wounded feminine parts that feel like, I'm overwhelmed and I can't do anything. (laughs) You know, the point is not to escape those things, but to have tools to graduate into better energy most of the time so that you can have a better life experience it's not about earning approval or being perfect because that's actually a a whole new complex if you think you have to be perfect yep ask us how we know (laughs) woo i had a therapist say that one time do you get to be rewarded for progress or are you only able to cash in when you've achieved the goal and i was like oh the latter for sure. (laughs) But the reality is, is that's not how life works. If you're not willing to see yourself clearly for the progress that you're actively making, Mm. you're really going to struggle when it comes to feeling good about yourself or feeling confident in stretching your parameters and growing into the next iteration of yourself Mm. because you're not seeing yourself clearly or with kindness. And therefore you're going to come from an outside perspective. You're kind of outsourcing your vantage point instead of seeing from within and looking out as to, I've grown a lot, and where do I want to go from here? Mm. So good. So well said. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's next on our list? What else do we have? We've really been killing it. I mean, it. yeah, we really have. Wow, we kind of, oh, last one on the list, it looks like. Okay. Real how, talk. Do, how do we want, <laughs> how do we want to approach this? Well, we were just talking about people are not good or bad. You know, this black and white thinking. And what I found to be true in my experience and in my seasons is when I'm in black and white thinking or uh, very rigid thinking about are people good, are they bad, are they healthy, unhealthy, are they manipulative, are they not? This linear kind of energy is always when I was craving a lot of safety mm-hmm. and trying to protect myself. The rigidity, the rules, the structure, the four quadrants you can exist in, empowered, unempowered, you know, gave me a lot of safety. And it's also not true Mm -hmm. (laughs) because people are human and it's not black and white. There is so much gray space and so much humanity in between all those quadrants and healthy, unhealthy, all these words. Um, So... Yeah, the most interesting thing to me was realizing, like, saying your cutoff game is so strong is a flex. It's not really a flex. 
it's usually a sign that you don't feel safe in a relationship and you're looking for external strategies to try to discern it versus really trusting how you feel. Those things are very important, the characteristics, the signs, mm-hmm. understanding what to look for. And then when you know that, you get to move into a higher level of integration has been my experience. And there's probably many more, by the way. I'm mm-hmm. sure a year from now, we do an episode. I'll be like, remember when I said, so now I'm over here, <laughs> uh, which is a sign of a good work. I, I think yeah. you should outgrow your work. But anyway, the point is, Your cutoff game is strong. You're usually craving safety. And sometimes that's really, really helpful. Coming out of that abusive situation, it was really helpful and empowering. And then the universe kind of checked me and went, is there going to be any room for humanity with other people? And if you're not allowing, if you're not allowing humanity to exist in other people or wounds, you're also not allowing it to exist within yourself. If you're really critical of other people, you're usually very critical of yourself. And I learned that also in therapy. Like, dang, am I holding myself and everyone else to the standard of perfection? That's really not fair to me or anyone around me. Wow. Yeah, that one took a while. Wow. You know, as you were saying that, I was literally just reflecting on the the great part of having quadrants and, and archetypes in general mm. is that it does give you some parameters to work yes. within. To say, like, where, what ballpark are we even in? Because it's hard to get where you're wanting to go if you don't even have any Where am I in this? Yeah. So that is really helpful. And I would say the art is to be with more humanness. That is, I just did a reel a couple weeks ago about that, of the allowing for more humanness is the point of healing. You can be on this treadmill of healing and always striving, and you're not actually healing anything, especially on a nervous system level. You're mm-hmm. still in this high dorsal, like super stressed out, rest and digest mode. Mm-hmm. You can still be in that space and think that you're doing all this great healing, resting work, and yet you are getting triggered by your own humanness or the fact that we don't have control over everything and we haven't resolved all of our things and people are going to see me in a certain way. That's still kind of like holding on to or sucking in um, to create this experience in life instead of allowing your life to kind of unfold and you be the director of it and being relaxed enough to let that happen. You can't heal your way into a certain situation without going through that experience is what I guess I'm trying to say. You don't get to skip the messy middle part. You have to sit in the vulnerability of it being not perfect and not totally worked out yet. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 I just see a lot of, I think, healing in terms of like, if I do A, then I get B. We still are trying to um, achieve it, manipulate the outcome. And that's not the way that you heal. Heal. My experience with healing has been the more that I allow my humanness and my human parts to come out and mm. be loved and seen and even brought into the fold and say like, oh, this is something that I, I'm not going to not do anymore. This is I'm going to bring this into my creative capacities. I'm going to do this with clients. Why not? I don't have to be so like, you know, boxed in. What actually happens is you're changing the trajectory altogether. So you may have been aiming for B, you know, you start at point A, you want to get to point B. And as you're healing, you're kind of doing this like serpentine type situation and you end up at Z and you would never have picked Z because you didn't know that was an option. That is the point of healing is you just allow things to continue to unfold Mm. as you are able to relax into more of the human experience. Yeah, there's not this, now I'm done, just slightly annoying. Right. And I don't make the rules. <laughs> I'm a lot more okay with not being done yeah. than I ever have been. I can say that. Mm-hmm. At this point in my life, even though I recently had a session of therapy where I was like, this again? Mm-hmm. And normally I would have been like, how come you didn't figure this out already? Why are we still working on this? And it it was far less charge for me to see, like to be reflected in that way and say, okay, well, this is something that I'm still working through because it's still showing up for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. I'm glad I have some support around it because 
what else can I do? Beat myself up? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Shame. Oh, gosh, there's so many things. But, yeah, shame does not create growth. Mm-mm. No. Have you ever had a therapy session where you walk in and she's like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, I'm good. <laughs> it's been a hard week. <laughs> you know, like you're, you try to be, hi, <laughs> how was your Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> and like you know the tsunami that's happening inside oh great 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 and court and i talk about that i hope this isn't me revealing to you but like we both have these parts that know how to be pleasing mm-hmm. you know so i know how to walk in with my tsunami underneath and go how was your christmas that's so hard for me i can mask <laughs> i don't want to right when like you know what's going to come out eventually but this weird i know we need to I'm greet each talk. other before i start sobbing <laughs> uh, yes, I have had that experience. Or when your voice tells a different story. <laughs> like I did to you earlier. So how, how was, was such and such? It was good. It was good. <laughs> Courtney started laughing out loud. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, how Tell good was it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the follow-up question. It begs for a follow-up question when your voice is a question. It's so fine. It should be a statement. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It was good. <laughs> cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Some good stories from therapy. I, I will say that the more that you do trust someone, uh, like I, will, I would say that now when I meet with a therapist for the first or second session, I'm looking for a certain feel with mm. the therapist. I want her qualifications. Obviously, I want to be able to speak the same language. But my, I trust myself now more than ever in terms of who is going to help me the most based on that initial kind of intake. Mm. There is a, a cool impact that I think therapists or coaches... We're talking specifically therapists right now, but like therapists get to have in that they are um, able to help you feel safe in a way that you've not felt safe before. Mm. And we're always looking for safety on a nervous system level. And so when you're able to reveal something that previously brought up a lot of charge with someone who is safe and makes you feel safe as you're experiencing that feeling, it neutralizes that sense of threat. You're able to come down off of that experience and and recalibrate you get to check into their boundaries their sense of safety that's the i think the gift of doing this kind of work with someone outside of yourself sometimes you don't have the ability to create safety with yourself at the moment Mm. you don't have that extra support or sense of of boundaries or acceptance or whatever it is validation that's the gift that someone outside of you who can see things clearly gives to you And then you do it for yourself. You integrate that and you can do that for yourself now. Mm. And it's not wrong, right? To need other people, to need to co-regulate, to need support. I think Mm -hmm. that's such a good point because there's so much stigma around therapy that it means something is wrong with you or you're broken. Or like, I would also be curious if anyone who saw the title of this episode thought, wow, I can't believe they're in therapy does that mean they have issues or i've just noticed the chatter that comes up in your brain right because mm-hmm. i've always and maybe this is just the way i was raised i'm curious what it was like for you too actually but my parents were very all right great we'll get you in therapy we'll get you in counseling like you go through a hard time it's what you do you get support mm-hmm. and we recognize we might not be the person to support you through this mm-hmm. so to me it's never been i have this catastrophic thing now i need to go to therapy it's like I'm going through a hard period and I would really like some support in leading mm-hmm. myself through it. Let me work with someone I have a connection with who can help me access parts of myself that I might not meet on my own because I don't feel safe, mm-hmm. which they can do. Such a great way to mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. Uh, I would say for me, my, I started seeing a therapist when I was in high school mm-hmm. and... Um, my parents were very much in support of that. So there was never any like stigma around it. I think our parents' generation, there was a lot more mm. stigma from my understanding 
that it did mean something, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, if you were seeking mental health support, it did mean that you had struggles or vulnerabilities yeah. that somehow made you X, Y, and Z in a, a not empowering <laughs> language. Um, but yeah, I think that now it's just seen as um, so that you can integrate all these things, these lessons that you did learn from watching the previous generation. Here's what we need. We need to prop that part up. We need to set mm -hmm. some boundaries. We need some new skills. These are the deficits that did not come down your family line um, or the holes in the stories that we need to now plug up so that you can move into a space of thriving and come out of that survival state. We just know so much more now than we did. Like what a, it's probably the best time ever in terms of mental health awareness. We have the most information now. We still have room to grow. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of stigma around it, but we have the most information that we ever have. Like on your phones, when you open Instagram, TikTok, my whole TikTok feed is basically teaching me about what I, like all these personal development things. Yeah, mini therapy on TikTok. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. which you'll see this video on TikTok. Yep. We'll be part of that crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Free yeah. therapy. Yeah. And we're just kind of sharing, hey, this works, this doesn't work, or mm -hmm. hey, this this works and this was my experience with it. This is what I had to let go of or this is what I needed to ask for. And really uh, kind of recalibrating so that you can find that middle, mm. even keel for you. What that looks like for you to feel stable and safe and um, able to move through life. Mm. I have noticed that men in particular feel the stigma with going to therapy. Mm. It just feels very different to them when I bring it up in conversation with the men in my world. Um, mm. There's this level of, and men, feel free to write into the show if you are willing to. By the way, we have a very cool male speaker coming. We're both really excited about it. it 10 out of 10. We cannot wait. I cannot continue. We're so excited. This, this male coach is amazing. So, And we have set the bar high we have not had guests on this show because we were for waiting reason, for this level and we did it it was we were very like no we're not taking anybody on until it's the highest caliber of who we really respect as teachers of masculinity and healthy integration and total alignment vetted so, mm -hmm. uh we're so excited that will probably be with i would imagine well we'll see how it goes with his schedule. But anyway, we got the green light on that last night, which made me immediately text Courtney. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? So the stigma for men, and he might speak on this too, who knows, but mm -hmm. I know from the men in my world when I've asked that going to therapy makes them feel like there's something wrong with them or it's too vulnerable or it's too weak. And I can't speak to the fullness of it because I'm not a man. But what I can say as a woman who has experienced a lot of men and been across from a lot of men, Hearing that a man goes to therapy for myself and for every close girlfriend that I have unequivocally with no leak are more attracted to men who go to therapy and are invested in their personal development truly, like really trying to learn their patterns and break through them. That does not make me think he's weak. That makes me think, oh my God, this man's going to do his work and he's going to meet me more deeply and mm -hmm. I don't have to do that emotional labor as much to try to like crack him open. He's invested in it on his own. Mm -hmm. reads personal development books or podcasts. I am more attracted to that. And I would bet so much that the women listening to this show are all nodding their heads in their car right now going, please say it louder. We want <laughs> men to be emotionally healthy. Like we want to be there for them in those issues. We want them to have support. We don't think of them as weak. We don't think of them mm -hmm. as broken. We celebrate them. Courtney and I are making t-shirts about this. Okay, Literally. Your emotional health and mental health being taken care of and you advocating for it is fucking hot. It yeah. is. It's just a, it's sexy. It's a great characteristic. Honestly, for, for really empowered women, it's usually a non-negotiable. Yeah. So we applaud you. Go yeah. to therapy. Share yes. about it. Talk to other men about it. And we love it. We're, we're, we're here for it. We're celebrating you. We are here for it. Because yes. it builds your capacity. Mm. Like if we're talking about, and we've talked about this till the cows come home, but a man who is and a provider, still not <laughs> they're still straggling in. <laughs> a man who is a provider emotionally, who is able to carry mm. his part of the emotional labor. I mean, that's a big lift. 
It can protect your heart. That is a big, that is a big lift. And to meet you there at the level that you want to be met, that takes some skill. It takes not only awareness, but new skills and the strength to say, hey, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm. That may be how it's always been done. That may be how my parents did it. That may be how people around me are doing it. And it doesn't work for us. We're not doing it that way anymore. Like talk about you want her to follow you. Be the leader that has the courage to go there for yourself. I mean, come on. If you can be a leader in matters of the heart, Mm. it's game over. Yep. It really is. But sincerely, you know, I have this little thing in my brain that's going like, not out of manipulation, which I trust everyone who listens here is is here for sincere reasons, but... Women can feel it. They can feel when you've done your work, when you haven't, when it's a game, when it's real. Mm-hmm. And when you've really done your work, it just feels different. It's hard to explain, but I know people are going to get it. You know, people of all genders listening are going to get it. Like, you can feel when somebody's really done their work and they're meeting you, they're being honest with their raw human emotion versus something you might see more in the narcissistic trait kind of realm. Doesn't make them narcissist. <laughs> is like the display of it. They can tell you a lot of catchphrases and things, but it's not as embodied. Mm-hmm. I've probably done this before when I'm in coach mode, actually. Yep. Like approached it very high level. Well, these are the concepts and this is the coping mechanism. And I've had to check myself in partnership to take off the coach hat and be who I am with my partner. Like not the coach who knows all these things, but the woman who's having real felt experiences and how do I lead from my heart in that way? That's a... That's a uh, Feminine energy practice, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because it is easy when you know a lot. It's very cerebral, very masculinized, intellectual. It's different when it's coming from your truth and your integrity and what you've embodied. And one other thing that I've learned from therapy that we're talking about is (laughs) it's probably likely that you are a half a step behind where you think you are. You have intellectualized up here, but your body's still back here, Mm. integrating, learning, embodying, being with, uh, understanding the felt experience, the sensations, the mastery of it. You're probably a half step behind where you think you are. Now, don't say that to add shame. I actually, that for me was very freeing when that clicked for me. Because that means that I don't have to be up here. Mm. I don't have to keep like future projecting my consciousness. I get to just be with what is and to be in that human space of like, okay, well, my body's back here. I might as well be with it because that's my most powerful position is to be where my body is and be in the humanness with it. That is what allows you to move forward. So yeah, to take the coach hat off, even from... I've done it. I know you said you've done it. It's easy to do, to intellectualize and to see things in our, you know, nice cookie cutter quadrant system. Yeah. Um, Oh, he's being very wounded masculine right now. Yeah. That just doesn't work in, uh, in conflict or in actual relationship dynamic. You have to be human with them if you want them to bring their humanness. That is the, the most inviting experience is for someone to, to be human and let you be human. Mm. So well said. Thank you. It's so well said, and it reminds me of what my therapist had said recently, which is like the act of performing relationship versus really being in it. And the performing is when you intellectualize everything you know. And the really being in it is being with your parts, your system, your heart, and opening that instead of coming with the solution and the this and the that. Obviously, I'm speaking from the feminine perspective, but like really just revealing your heart. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new level of vulnerability, you know? And I think, you've, I think you just articulated that so well and also normalized that that is kind of how healing happens, you, at least for people like us. You get more information intellectually, 
and then you want your body to catch up, but you have to kind of be with her. So making that normal and not wrong, instead of judging yourself, I know so much why I'm not there. It's like, oh, this is how it goes. Mm -hmm. I learn more and then I let my body somatically catch up with me. I let my nervous system catch up. This is a big change. This isn't wrong. Probably would speed up the whole dang healing process. A moment for Courtney's genius. I mean... Yeah, the quantum idea never made sense to me until that connected. Mm. Once you're in where your body is, then it's like the quantum leap. Yeah. What feels like a quantum leap. Things just make more sense. You have more clarity. You're able to show up differently. You're not going to do that when there's some division between head and heart still. You're still Mm. kind of not in the same spot at the same time being present with your humanness. So good. Mm. And that's the end of your session. You can send us 125 via donation. <laughs> been 50 minutes. I hope you've enjoyed. <laughs> uh, we don't do donations. I'm really just joking. But if you love this episode, sorry, was there more you wanted to add or you feel complete? Um, no. That, that Not to good. outro us without even checking do in. Do it. If you love this episode, please share it with someone who you think would benefit. Or if you want to heal stuff with people in your world and you want to give them all these things to talk about, that's great because now they have language. They It might be one thing that sticks in their head, intent versus effect, but they might think about it the next time they're with you. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's a really shareable episode if you're willing to. It means the world to us. More than anything, when you share the show with people you love or you repost us on your social, like as you guys know, that is... Love it. That is the key currency for people like us trying to put this work in the world. So thank you to everyone who's doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you in advance to those of you who share. If you want more from us, we did come out with an Instagram. The For the Love of Men podcast. T-H-E is the beginning. Yep. The For the Love of Men podcast. We also have a TikTok for the Love of Men podcast. And what else do we have? We both have websites. YouTube. CourtneyShan.com. Oh, yeah. YouTube. You can YouTube's watch us on poppin'. YouTube. Really? <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah. It's going well? Yeah. I don't check it as much. Uh, more people are watching on YouTube. We're posting the full episode on YouTube. Go mm. check us out and give us a like, subscribe. It's starting to take off. So That's great. Yeah, that's really fun. Yay. Yep. We both have Instagram. Sorry, you can oh, continue. Yeah. My Instagram got taken down. Wah, wah. You can still follow her. She's still posting things. It's just a different name. A different account. Building Brie Coaching. Because the thing about the Cliff Notes is being someone who likes to educate on pleasure, sometimes that violates quote-unquote community guidelines. I won't get into the thick of how frustrating and oppressive that is, but my new Instagram is Building Brie Coaching. (laughs) Because I violated their terms for sexual content some would say pleasure education but that's fine um so anyway my instagram is there courtney's is courtney underscore shand and both of our websites courtneyshand.com buildingbree.com you can reach out to us for coaching mm-hmm. we've got lots going on uh, if you want one-to-one work we both have courses on feminine energy healthy mm-hmm. relationships so check those out they're all in the show notes and we have master classes that we have taught together oh hey you want an easy entry point that's it I mean, it is gold. It's like 100 bucks or something for all three of them. Yeah. Use the code PARTNERS. PARTNERS. Yep. And you get all of them for 150 Yeah. Four hours of content. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. It's a steal. So feel free. That's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And then check us out. We've got lots of content. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Amazing. All right. We will see you next week.